What's your favorite scary movie? LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm L. I'm Kate. Uh, welcome back, everyone. It's been <laughs> it's, it's been a, a couple months, I think. It's been a while. Yeah, shit happens. Life happens, you know. <clears throat> um, but this this is something I've been wanting to do for a while, and <laughs> I picked it this month because it the adapt. The, its source material, I'll say, is closing on Broadway. Uh, to as we're recording, I know <laughs> as we're the day we're recording, it's its final performance. It's Phantom of the Opera, man. Um, the musical, the longest running Broadway musical until something fucking surpasses it now. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so I I've been wanting to do this a really long time. This is. This is the 2004 movie, by the way. The 2004 mu- musical adaptation of it. Um, directed by Joel Schumacher, my guy. Yes. Um, yeah, this this movie, like, was, like, the blueprint for me. Like, it, I <laughs> I saw it in theaters and it, like, changed my brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it made me gay and all of this stuff. All, all the good things. It started by love for like soprano women, I guess. Like we'll, we'll unpack all that. But and so now L, you had seen the musical and the stage musical and you've mm-hmm. read the book, right? Yes. But you yes. hadn't seen this version yet. And I feel no. bad because you rated it pretty low on Letterbox and I'm like, oh no, they didn't like it. Um It's not it's not like no. Because I had heard about it for so long from my mm-hmm. own parents who had seen it, because they'd seen the the musical um, more than I had, um, and they went and saw this when it came out, because it's like one of my dad's favorite musicals, if he had any favorite musicals, um, and they just were like, it's awful. <laughs> Um, and I just heard about that my whole life, so I went in and was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to have any kind of expectations, I'm just going to see where this goes. And it's not really that bad. <laughs> my main issue is just the singing, um, and it also does go on a bit, like, it's not the worst singing I've ever heard, but I'm just like, after hearing so many great singers in, you know, the main three um, for so long, it's kind of just like, eh, okay, like, yeah, could could have worse voices, but um, it's not a bad movie. Like, not it's like it's fun. I would love to watch this with Kate because I think that this would be very entertaining. You to watch would with like friends. to watch this. With my my roommate kept like laughing and was <laughs> like, because I'm just like doing my own commentary on it and just like shouting out at the screen. Um, <laughs> I would love to host a rowdy screening of this someday, like they did with Cats, which I missed. Yeah, he, yeah, his, yeah. Well, let's get into it. I mean, yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> How do everyone I talk? knows the basic story of phantom yeah so I, I... yeah should we say that yeah so it's a it's a musical it's like um in the, this paris opera house and christine the lead uh character um gets a gets her big break on the stage when the the house diva quits because her her life keeps getting in peril and everyone's like 
I mean, it's fine. Um, <laughs> that's one thing I, I kind of thought about in this watch specifically. I'm like, Carl- Carlotta's supposed to be, like, an antagonist or whatever, but, like, she she made some points. Like, this it's not a safe yeah. working environment. Like, be a diva for that. Go off. But anyways... And it's because she's, so Christine has been trained by this mysterious music teacher. Is it her dead father? No, it's not. It's a creepy old man. Um, And mean, in the meantime, her childhood sweetheart played by also a man, a man in his 30s. Ah! I yeah, I, went, you, I know you texted me like, Emmy Rossum was how old when they filmed this? Um, she didn't look it. I know, well, I mean, that... That, so that's uh, it, defense squad is coming in here. I mean that why her singing, her voice isn't even fully developed yet. That's why she's not gonna sound like a Broadway soprano yet. Oh no! Out of out of all of yeah. them, she sounded the best. She sounded pretty good. Like she was you trained. Didn't, you didn't like Patrick Wilson's voice? Oh no, his fine. His was fine because Viola oh doesn't have. <laughs> no, Gerard Butler's was like out of the three. His is like on the low. Tone, that's what we're talking about. Ball. So no, yeah, Patrick Wilson because Raul doesn't have yeah. much of like a range in like how like grandiose that the phantom is he's not like that so like his voice sounded really like it sounded just fine for raul you did a great job that's butter and um and yeah emmy rossum she did she was trained you know as for opera Mm -hmm. uh, as a child and you know she is still getting in her oh what's the word for you she was she's still training and she's like her voice isn't fully developed to where um it would be um but she did a really great job for her technique is her technique and her pronunciation especially is like spot on. Mm-hmm. It just is literally not a fully developed voice yet. I I'll send you a link of her. I wish she would sing more. I wish she would do another musical. I know. Um like musical movie. She did like one random like pop album um and she's done a few like Christmas recordings. Like I got her her version of Carol of the Bells and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas are on my rotation. Oh. every christmas um but yeah i wish she'd do another one i well i think my my dream would be this is never going to happen but i think and it would be terrible because love never dies is not a good show but i want them to make a movie with this cast because <laughs> <laughs> just because i love chaos um but we're really stretching it because it's supposed to be 10 years later and this movie's almost oh god this movie's almost 20 years old now i can't believe it Oof. um Oh, but let's get... Okay, this is just going to be a lot of rants, I guess. Let's get back to Gerard. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have to defend him because no one else will. Um, And this has been my great life's work. Before defending Russell Crowe in Les Mis, I was defending Gerard Butler in Phantom. (laughs) Because here's the thing. This is who Andrew Weber wanted. This is who he envisioned. And this, this isn't the kind of person you could cast for a Broadway show because that's not sustainable, right? Like, you need someone who can do this eight eight nights a week and an untrained actor can't do that but he wanted a rock star and he got one like he literally the like the agents uh like they were when they were speaking to Andrew Weber they're like can can he sing or whatever he's like well he's in a rock band in law school perfect like that's all and he worked so hard training for this role <laughs> um and and I really and it's a no other Phantom is like this, too, because of that, because of, like, the raw quality that he brings to it. And, like, he makes choices, I think. Like, he really gets into the darkness of the character, I think, and, like, the anger moments that he has. And it's all very, I don't know. 
And I, I genuinely think that his point of no return is the best version. I think he's so good in that song. It's like his best best work. I think you're, you're laughing. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just so glad that you're very that you have like, you do make points for that. I do. Oh my god. And I even sh- like <laughs> I was just gonna say I have some terrible news <laughs> for you because <laughs> then in what? 2021 uh, interview that um, Andrew Lloyd Webber gave, he thought that yeah, mm-hmm. Gerard was a a, not the greatest casting choice for for Phantom. And I was well, like, that's on him because I was he, like, it was oh, his no. decision. So no take backsies. Sorry, <laughs> no this oh, this is this the best. This is bad Cinderella era. Oh, uh, no. Andrew Lloyd Webber talking. So take him with a grain of salt. He chose him. He cast him. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, no, like he, he doesn't have a terrible voice. Not at all. Um, and I also do defend. Uh, Russell Crowe singing in Les Mis. Thank you. So, but I, yeah, no, it's just, it's not just the best voice that I've ever heard, but for what he, like, trained for and what he did, I think he did an mm-hmm. all right job. He's good. Wow. I'm not, I'm not saying he's an awful, terrible singer. I'm just, I'm too used to hearing, like, like, I heard Ben Crawford, who's playing the Phantom right mm-hmm. now for the, for the final performance and who he, mm-hmm. he's been playing for, like, the last year or two. And listening to him, and then, you know, obviously Ramin Karimlu, who made a lovely cameo in this movie. And I was just mm-hmm. like, that was funny. So just after hearing that for so long, it's just kind of hard to, like, say that, like, Gerard stands up against them. But for the movie, I think he does have, like, a raw quality to him with the Phantom. So I appreciate that a lot, um, that he made up for, like, in not being, like, the most grandiose opera singer but he brought something different to the phantom and i think they all do and they're all different interpretations yeah and this like that you really have to approach this as a movie and not a stage show yeah that's the thing that's the difference like it's a totally different form like because you like and i feel like people forget that a Mm -hmm. lot i don't know um I don't know. I, I think I might just be really biased, too, is the other thing. Like, I'm a snob <laughs> about, like, Ryan Gosling singing in La La Land and shit like that. But maybe because that's supposed to be a more conventional-sounding, vo- uh, like, like the, the song style in that is more traditional Broadway. And this is rock. This mm-hmm. is fucking rock. This isn't an opera, even though it's called that. Uh, what he's singing is rock music. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah all of this is, should be taken with a grain of salt because i'm so fucking biased and like i was like literally in love with this man as like a 13 year old not realizing i was actually just in love with emmy rossum but like we had hey. to unpack that <laughs> we had to unpack that um. well so anyway now that i got that defense out of the way <laughs> um also like the the other thing i just want to talk about for this especially is like I'm sure I'm sure everyone has their opinions about the singing and about his performance and all this stuff, and, or even just like choices that were made in ad- adapting this. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, is this a fucking gorgeous, gorgeous movie to look at? I know. You can isn't tell, it? Yeah, like the production designer past jumped out with Joel Schumacher because that's like where he got his start. And there's there's just such an attention to detail, and it's just like. I don't know. Like movies used to have sets. Can you believe that? Can like, you believe? The, like, can you believe? Like, even just, like, the entryway of the, the opera house is fucking gorgeous. 
the the design of the layer like how like how do you how would you that design cool. like a practical practical like this that you would believe that this man lives here and hides away here like just shit like that and also just like he just took the time like there's mm-hmm. like there's a there's like one a two second shot in like prima donna that must have taken like at least a day to shoot of just like everyone outside of the opera house all like lined up for the our nation waits that whole thing it's like they would never do that now that like who, yeah. who would take the time to do that i don't know like you can just tell like i mean this is something that they've been wanting to make since the 80s like joel first ta- spoke to sir weber like in the late 80s about he had just made lost boys and like wanted to make this and they were like oh yeah this might not be the right time because they wanted they didn't want it to get in the way of like the musical the stage show's traction and popularity mm-hmm. and so that's why they waited so long they were kind of just like well it's time now i think and like yeah he directed a lot more movies and like i'm glad they waited obviously because this is such a big production that i'm glad that joel was more seasoned when he did it you know mm-hmm. um and god what like <laughs> he he's always had an eye for casting like and like fighting for unknowns like lost boys going back to that they were all unknowns they were fucking kids that he picked out and then here yeah. like patrick wilson was like a broadway guy um Gerard had done some like bit stuff and like british movies and stuff and then emmy was a literal child so of course like, <laughs> this was kind of the big break for all of them um I don't know. I'm talking too much. No, what, no. It, what, what else? What else stood out for you, or that you didn't like? What do you want to talk about here? <laughs> no, no, no. I thought it was the sets were really gorgeous, and the um, the costuming was done really well. I wondered why, like, they didn't have him, like, you know, when uh, the Phantom comes down during Masquerade, and he usually has like that really gaudy red costume on with the skull. I wonder if that was just like not working yeah. out, because um, I was like, oh, I missed that. I thought that was kind of cool, you know, but. It still worked out really well. Um, but no, yeah, it's a really gorgeous set. I love that Joel Schumacher wanted realism enough that he's like, let's just burn the theater down when we set the fire. Burn it like, down. Burn it down. <laughs> one, one shot, one kill. <laughs> yeah, that was something that like some of the theater purists were like, why did they change the chandelier crash? Because this is a movie. There's no, you don't. Like, an act one finale in a stage musical is supposed to be big. That's why the chandelier crash is there. But at the end of a movie, you need a big climax. It's a, like... Yeah. Yeah, that's why... It makes sense. It, the changes he did make sense. I also think the context of... I, I already mentioned I love just Gerard's, like, singing in Point of No Return. But the context is is shifted and a bit different in the movie. I don't know if you noticed that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because... Because in the stage show, Christine doesn't know it's him. She's just in like, this cloak, <laughs> hiding away. Like, oh, I'm definitely Pianji. And it, most of the song is her, like, being in character. And she doesn't realize it's him until she, like, feels his mask at the end and gets all freaked out. Mm-hmm. But in this, she knows him right away because he's not good at disguising himself. <laughs> and I just think it gives a whole new, different meaning to the song. And I think it's great. But anyways, I feel like the... This is just a theory. I don't know. You mentioned why he didn't have the big, cool, like... Uh, yeah, like the skull mask. mask. Yeah. I think they just wanted him to be sexy. I think like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not sexy. How can I objectify this man uh-huh. if he's in that? Like, they made the man wear butt pads. Like, <laughs> it's, 
you gotta make him sexy. That that was my theory. I don't know, because I know Sex Joel likes up. to celebrate the bodies of men. Like, good for him. <laughs> so, I know that's a stupid reason, but that's probably why. Put Patrick Wilson on a horse with, like, his shirt bellowing. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That is one of the, the flaws that the, my, one of my personal gripes with this movie, though, is they made Raul too cool. He's, he's a loser. He's not supposed <laughs> The Chad Rowell, like, <laughs> you think this boy, like, see, especially you've read the book, right? Would mm-hmm. that man, would that wimp be riding on bareback horses and sword fighting? No. That man is so pathetic. Like, he's just, like, it's just I not know. even in, like, a fun, like, kind of pathetic way. I'm just like, this boy's just like, if she doesn't love me, I'm gonna kill myself. You know, like, that kind of, bull- <laughs> like, but that like, actually fucking means it, because he's just a, a fucking 20-year-old over here thinking the world's gone to shit, because his childhood sweetheart's being weird with him, so... But no, mm-hmm. yeah, this this Raoul is much cooler. Like, getting into a sword fight with the Phantom, like, that's new. I like that. Bullets um, instead of just throwing fireballs at him, yeah. <laughs> um, I like that they did a few throwbacks to the, the book with having him in that lair uh, with the, like, mirrors and then the water comes yeah. in because that was a trap in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just make Patrick Wilson all soaking and I was like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> Dunk tank. <laughs> Dunk tank. Ooh. Um, and also, like, when uh, Phantom is taking uh, Christine down to his lair for the first time and she's on a black horse, like, that was originally planned when they were making the musical to, like, lead her on a black horse for a bit before they got on the mm. boat. Um, but they're like, this is not a good idea for a musical because horses are kind of scary <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. So that's another. And that's also in the book. So that was also another uh, throwback to that. So. But I just love how, like, so much of it was also, like, practical. Like, the chandelier was at, was a real as hell, 17 feet high, 13 and 2.2 feet wide, hung with more than 20,000 full-cut Swarovski crystal pendants. It took four months to construct and five days to assemble. And they used, like, a dollhouse wow. for, like, the exterior of the uh, opera house. And then they would, like, on the roof, they just edited the Phantom in. Uh, so he's not actually there Whoa. when Christine and Raul are on the roof. So I'm just like, who would do that nowadays? Like, Whoa. it feels like there's no one just really cares. Like, it's just like there was care in this movie. And that's what mm-hmm. I think helps, you know, with it. And it isn't really exactly a horror film because it's more based on the musical. But it does have horror-esque uh, elements to it. So I'm like, this this fits. Galloway, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, it's. Oh yeah, I'm not. So tr- I'm not trying to push this off as a horror movie. I just wanted to do it. No, I think we should do it. Absolutely, we should do it. Yeah. Um, it's rude as in horror, yeah. But there have also been. Um, there are just so many different people that are considered for the role. Like I think that even Catherine Zeta Jones turned down the role for Christine because she had just yeah. done Chicago. So I'm like, that's crazy. Like just how different this whole thing would be that would have been just i love her but that would have been wrong casting like in so many oh oh, real so real um but there have been like a million and five different things done with the phantom of course there's like the film Mm -hmm. like one of the first ones was actually um i think it was done in sweden um it's a lost film unfortunately because there was references to other media in 1916, Das Gespens in Opernhaus, or Das Phantom der Opper. Um, and then, of course, we all know the legendary one with Lon Chaney in it. Um, that's not not musical, but because it was silent film. But 
there's just like there were musicals and like film adaptations uh over in china there was one uh that was done as like an oswald the lucky rabbit cartoon there was <laughs> a french one german you know lots of different cartoons there's television adaptations um mini series adaptions oh yeah I think the last one um, was an episode on the PBS TV series Wishbone. It was called Panton at the Opera. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. A million stage productions uh, before the uh, famous Andrew Lloyd Webber one. Um, and surprisingly, it also was done on radio at least four different times. Um the last time was in 2007 on uh, the BBC, and so they did, uh, James Darcy was part of it. Uh, there was a four-part dramatization to f- is the first to feature the original operatic sequences described in the novel recorded and orchestrated Ooh. by composers. Um, there's also, like, a shit ton of literatures that mention or just talks about it. One of the most famous being Phantom by Susan Kay, which talks about Eric's life. It's over mm-hmm. 500 pages long. Uh, talk about it's creating some fanfic right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally fanfic. It's, it's literally. <laughs> there's actually a book coming out this year called Angel's Mask. It's going to be book one in the Phantom Saga series, a gothic romance reinvention of oh LaRose original. And I was like, I'll I... see you there. <laughs> I'll be there. There's also. I'll be there. <laughs> There's also children's literature. There is called The Phantom Cat of the Opera that was made published in 2001. The Phantom of the Post Office that was for a uh, series called 43 Old Cemetery Road. Um, Phantoms Don't Drive Sports Cars, which is an Adventures of the Bailey School Kids, which is a series I read in uh, elementary school and absolutely adored. They did like adaptions just of the entire uh, book of Phantom of the Opera so that way it could be read by kids. Um, and the last one was in 2017, uh, Muppets Meet the Classics, The Phantom of the Opera. So that was, that's great. What? Great, <laughs> great novel right there. Uh, there's also comic strips that have been done in French and also, uh, Phantom of the Opera's graphic novel that was published just actually a few years ago. Uh, nonfiction that talks about, like, the film companion, as you have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. You can't see it, but... It came out in 2005, Phantom uh, of the Opera, The Face Behind the Mask, that was published in 93, and then second edition in 2006. Uh, complete Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Opera essay about the original novel. There was a million translations done. There's music that's referenced in it, like, like Iron Maiden, um, Nightwish. There's one called Fantasia. It's an orchestral interpretation created by Andrew and Julian Lloyd Webber. There's actually a techno version of the Phantom of the Opera theme song that was made in 1992. Uh, the band Lacrimosa covered the title of it, um, and it was also even used on American Idol by one of the one of the more like people that I kind of recognize their names. There's games of it. There's so many references just tossed in in different places. It's in like High School Musical. It's mentioned in there. It's mentioned in this. <laughs> It's mentioned. My mom in has an... a picture of Michael Crawford on her fridge. <laughs> Excellent. Um, there's an episode of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody where that talks about the Phantom of the Opera. It's kind of based around that. Like, there's even a statue of the Red Death can be a sea time seen a few times in the background. There's a bust of Lon Chaney near the stage. 
<clears throat> there's it's mentioned in like fanny family guy married with children there was an episode of the mask the animated series uh cyber chase home improvement quest for camelot series of unfortunate events the actual the movie not the not the netflix miniseries um so it's it's so like into culture it's just like weave its way into so many different uh references there's even games you can play fan of the opera um which is really crazy like and it, it was it like didn't i'm not sure how much it took off until angela lloyd weber's musical because it was still popular before then but i wonder how much of it just like exploded after the musical came out because it seems like a lot of stuff really started happening post 86 um so yeah that's how uh crazy and into like pop culture the fandom of the opera is i'm pretty sure i have this right that it's going over to italy um and ramin karimlu <laughs> is gonna be the phantom and i'm just like lucky ass people over there because it's never been played yeah. over there yeah he was I, he was like he teased about it on social media about and, like, everyone thought maybe he was going to come back for the final performances or something. And then he's just like, I'm going to be in Italy. And that was the biggest. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> no. It's a great musical. I love seeing it because, like, the last time I'd seen it, I think I was, like, a preteen or something. So it's good actually remembering it this time. And actually seeing what it. What about on... it? Do you think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And actually, yeah, seeing it on 2 p.m. on a Wednesday was actually really different. I actually thought it was supposed to be at night, and I forgot what time I bought the tickets for. <laughs> Went there in my saw sweatshirt. I was like, represent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is it? What do you think it is about it that has stood the test of time that everyone, like, this is the longest running show in Broadway history. What do you think it is? I Honestly, I think it's just, like, this idea of this tragic uh, guy. Not even bad guy, just a tragic figure that, like, yeah. He does some bad things. He does some bad things, but yeah. I, he, he channels a lot of, like, you know, what he's been through wrongly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also because it's not not just, you know, the characters, but also the fact that it's a really... I love the musical. I love the music of it. I love the performances, mm -hmm. the sets. Um, even just, like, the fake opera that they're doing at the beginning was written so that way the actors could warm up for, like, the rest <laughs> of the musical. Um, and it's just, it's always fun to watch. You know, it's something I never get tired of. I never get tired of hearing any of the music. And it's just, it's also one that does get stuck in your head pretty easily, so... Andrew Lloyd Webber was really good with that. Um, mm -hmm. And also having, you know, just this pure romance. Um, and this, and Christine has, and she's the center of the story because this wouldn't happen without her. And she mm -hmm. has, like, three loves in this. And it's, like, her father, you know, who's not, he's not there. But, like, he is definitely, like, hanging over in part of the story, Um even if it's not physically and you know Raul just coming back into her life some a piece of her past coming in and then just this mysterious stranger that's been helping her that she believes is someone her father sent for her after he passed um that has been nothing but a help to her and just been like kind to her and she 
has to slowly and she slowly realizes no this guy's not who he is he's not who i thought he could be and i think that's also something that's tragic is that you could see the things that could have been and the things she thought he could have been um but it's just it was just too little too late um and especially when you have really really good guys that play their role and like just bring their own interpretations to each one um it definitely can make it even more memorable sorry and I think that also, it also with um, Christine kind of just like having her, like, she has a backbone, which is nice. Um, because she does have to make the choices in the end to like either condemn herself or save uh, save herself and, and Raul. Um, and she does, she gives kindness to someone who I don't think a lot of people would consider doing such kindness after seeing all the murders he's caused all the um all the feelings of fear and just unsafe uh, to her but she still gives him kindness that no one else has showed him his entire life so it's tragic it's really tragic and i think that people are kind of drawn to that it's kind of like um Hades town that i recently saw it's I think the re- the opening song was like it's the same story over and over again. It can't be changed, um, but we still come back to it because you know it just tugs at us in a way that I can't even really describe. It just it really does. I I could see it once a year for the rest of my life, and I would probably never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. Uh, ditto. Yeah, all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was really well put. I just thought I should ask, especially because I I know that like especially nowadays when you view something from a modern lens or like have to point out like the toxic problematic <laughs> relationships in this they're romanticizing and it's like yeah i, I don't think that's <laughs> i don't think there's any romanticizing yeah, yes. going on in here no exactly it's like some people's reactions to it might be like because it's like called like broadway's greatest love story or whatever and it's like this i mean this is Christine's story. It's not a love story. And it's like like you pointed out like the th- there's it's her grappling with three different very types of love, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and choosing what's best for her. Um or at least the, I don't think Raul is good for her either. But anyway, <laughs> this is a team. This is here's here's where I reveal that we, it's team Meg. Oh, yeah, let's say Meg. 2023. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah god i just love it anyways well that so that that's a good transition i think um is this movie gay is this a... well uh it's a little hetero over and overarching there <laughs> that was a little gay the way the phantom tied up raul in the in the lair i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a little gay <laughs> <laughs> Why are you as a man tying up another man? Well, no, I mean, it's... Yes, this is a heterosexual love triangle, but it is camp as fuck, first of it all. It is. This whole thing, the Phantom is so flamboyant. All the cape flips. Are you kidding? Oh, the, the glitter, many. The glitter in his, like, suits, like... He's fabulous. And, and, this, is, and this is... Joel Schumacher, obviously. So this is a, it's a gay director yeah. taking on this material. So already there's, like, that's his... The views things and lays them out is gonna be different. 
Um, I said opera is drag. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> this is. I'm just looking at my notes. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, and you have like Christine doing. Uh, I I guess this was like what they did back then of like her in drag playing like the page boy. Yeah. Um, in the opera scene, you got that. You got. <laughs> I had so much wine when I watched this. I was just going the fuck off. Um, but yeah, there's... <laughs> I don't know. And it was my gay awakening, so I count it as that. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she should have been with Meg. She should have ended up with Meg. That's my that's my hot take. I want to do like a Twilight-style shirt that just says Team Meg, and it's her like in those pants at the end. Exactly. <laughs> Did you watch the the deleted song I sent you? I did. <laughs> did you think? Are you glad they deleted it? I'm glad they deleted that. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty song, but it has no business being in this show. It's more of a, like a Yestin's Phantom vibe, uh, in my humble opinion. But then it's like they, there's like uh, they use some like instrumental versions of it in the movie, and then like Mini Driver, like recorded like. A different version of it's like the same melody but different lyrics it that plays at the end credits and that's actually her singing she's not she's not singing as carlotta obviously we didn't even talk about her oh my god she's great that that's camp that carlotta's oh, camp that's absolutely weird. that fuck yeah um what else oh just some more just fun facts of like if you listen in the score you can hear like pieces that will become songs for love never dies <laughs> god love that we're gonna make the movie i'm gonna call patrick wilson and ask if he wants to direct it, <laughs> Post it now that he's he's dipped his toe in the water with insidious five he can do it he can do it it'd be so bad it'd be so bad this is i don't know what's <laughs> this is... yeah i read the plot for love never dies and I was like, damn. Um, yeah. Girl, Oof. what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, no, Mini, Mini Driver was great. She was great. Oh, yeah, the, the hand at the level of your eye. That's always been a, a book throwback. Yeah. Because uh, that's how he gets you. With the noose. Mm -hmm. And Rao did not take that advice. No, he didn't. <laughs> Got a noose around his neck. Dumbass. Yeah, like, that That final layer scene, too, is, like, that's kind of what I'm talking about with, like, the rawness of, like, Gerard's performance. And it's, like, he's at he's at his breaking point. He's not going to sound beautiful and, like, the way that he does on Broadway. Like, yeah. I'm obsessed with the, the, what is it? Down the path into darkness deep as... <laughs> he's going for it i don't know i'm that's camp his performance in this is camp but he's so dedicated there's not a hint of irony to it he is so dedicated to this and i th I, I think that's why like like i'm a stand to this day like i saw plane and it was a masterpiece and i i will always unless something is revealed about him this bad i'll always be going to see gerard butler movies because i know that he has that <laughs> That sensitivity in him and the the ability, like the willingness and ability to do something like this and not look back on it and it's gonna be like oh god yeah that musical I did like he's still like when he's asked about it, he's like oh yeah like, I don't know good for him so that's the takeaway the takeaway is that she should have been with Meg the takeaway is that I want Emmy Rossum to do more musicals again um that's all any last words <laughs> um. 
Oh yeah, this it's such a good musical. I'm very sad that it is going off Broadway, though I have a feeling it's going to crop up again not too far in the future just simply because I think it can't stay off Broadway. Or at least it would it would be a touring musical. Um it yeah, it'll yeah. There'll still be productions. Like there was oh, how many years ago? I don't know, like five or six years ago, there was like a touring production that was like all new staging, which was like a big deal. Cause like how, uh, because of how I, I'm, I'm serious because of how iconic, like how Prince's like staging was, like it was completely different. And since I was a fucking dork and had seen it so many times, I was able to spot the differences, <laughs> and, but it worked. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe like you were saying, this might be the final version of that original like staging and production, but there's room to grow here, I think. Oh yeah, um, and it's also it's also a a musical that's very tied closely with my family um, because my grandpa on my dad's side used to play piano, um, and the last song he ever played on the piano um, was "Music of the Night." So Aww. whenever it that song plays, my dad gets a little emotional about it. Um, and yeah. my um, my uncle's husband, um, he adored this. I think this is one of his favorite musicals too. Um, and he he is sadly passed away. So this movie is dead. and it always she always every time um, Christine's singing at her her father's grave always gets me. Like no matter what, I try to I just yeah. like go back in there tear, but it always gets me so bad. Um, it's just, it's a very emotional musical, too, which I think is why it also stands so well. Cause yeah. There's so much feeling with it. Um, if anybody wants to know my, my dad, who does not, he's not like he'll go out and watch a musical by himself. But if my mom's like, hey, let's go see this, he'll be like, okay, I'll come along. Um, the first time they ever saw Phantom of the Opera was in 1994. And um, the guy that was playing the Phantom at the time was named Grant Norman. And... My dad says that in any Phantom that he's heard from the stage or that he's seen since, um, it's been really hard to measure up to him because apparently he was, like, so super good. And he played in the UK and US tours, which was a really rare thing, I guess. Um, but he heard Ben Crawford and he's like, oh, damn, he's, like, really close. And I was like, huge compliment here from a man who doesn't go to musicals often. Um so if you ever, he, there's Grant Norman's audio is on YouTube. Um, if you, if anybody's curious, look him up. He has a great voice. Um, considering that it was 1994 and stuff, that still has pretty good audio. Uh, they never, no one ever did record uh, a physical uh, copy of him performing. There's pictures of him as the Phantom, and he's been singing some Phantom songs at like charity events and stuff recently. So he's still going. Um, but he has a, he has a great voice and I wish I could have heard him as the Phantom, but if they, if they could have done an official album with him, that would have been even better. But I'm just like, yeah, my dad loves theater when like, when he loves theater, it's real specific. Um, so I hope that they do tour again. Cause I know that I think my parents would love to see Phantom of the Opera again. Um, even though it's closing up here in Broadway. Yeah, that reminded me that my, like, my mom had a connection to this, too, because it was the last, like, musical she saw with her mom, and, like, that, so she associates with the Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again with her, too, because, like, 
she's sitting next to her mom knowing she's dying and like watching that happen must have been insane i know and god music of the night i am not immune to that oh my like i've seen this a thousand times and during my viewing i i hadn't even had one yet and i was like sitting there just like enveloped and like almost crying at how beautiful this song is I, I, I do want to give a quick... I know we've been talking a lot. I, I want to give a quick shout-out to Charles Hart, too, who did the lyrics for this. And, like, he was only, like, 25 when he wrote wow. this. And it's some of the most gorgeous lyrics ever. Like, I, it's... I think that adds another element to the beauty of all of it. And, obviously, I don't think he ever worked with a- Andrew again because he usually uses Tim Rice, who I'm also menos about. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the lyrics are fucking gorgeous i don't know they are they're really raw feelings and another part of why it's done it's like very like especially because i think a lot of people can relate to christine you know mm-hmm. when she's with her at her father's graveside or when she's with someone she really cares about um and also just like it's very when it's just like very like bombastic with like femme of the opera it's just like it's out there like it's also it like it envelopes mm-hmm. you it brings you in you know, and when it is time to be more quiet, it is. And so I think it knows when it's, like, it's, like, to be loud and to be spectacular, like, with Masquerade. And then to have, like, a quieter moment, which is really nice. I really appreciate that, too. Yeah. Well, that's that. Uh, <laughs> so, I know you had your notes for the movie, but I'm glad. Are you glad we watched it, at least? Yeah, I had a good time with it. Okay. I had a good time with it. It's not like a movie where I was like, God, I wish I had my hours back of that. But no, I'd love to watch this with you one day. Absolutely. That's on the bucket list. Name it. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Um, God, we haven't recorded in two months, so I'm sure there's a lot. Uh, oh, to cover, but you want to do a you? We can just do a quick. I know your your eyes are attacking you, so we can just quickly wind <laughs> down if you want. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. What? What the, what the last thing we watched? Oh my god, it was back in February. Oh, I've watched yeah. so many goddamn movies. It's not. I know funny. you don't have to talk about everything. <laughs> um, shout out to the third man for being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Women Talking won uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, Victim. Yes. Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. Um, if you loved Kurt Russell in The Thing, you're going to love him in Escape from New York. And he wears an eye patch and a black tank top. And he looks great. Movie made for the gays. Um, I'll shout out to The Piano, Red Shoes, um, Elephant Man, which is like the most straightforward David Lynch movie I've ever seen. It's also a very, very sad movie. Um, and Picnic at Hanging Rock, also a fantastic film. And I've just been reading the same book since like February, so nothing really <laughs> in that department. Um, it's a long Western book, which I haven't, I don't really read a lot, but... I have, like, a list of all the Pulitzer Prize winners, and I'm like, I want to try to read some of these. And that was one I saw at the library, and I was like, there's one I'll try, so. <laughs> what about you? What you been up to? Um, I mean, I've, I've had two weeks off of work for spring break, um, so I've just been watching a lot of shit. Um, I did, I saw The Pope's oh Exorcist God. yesterday. <laughs> Russell Crowe! Fucking cinema! Thank you. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then I watched Connie and Carla, which 
all-time fave now. Let's talk about not aging well problematic shit. <laughs> but, oh, it was the same year as Phantom of the Opera. What a year for cinema. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've watched a lot. The main thing that's rotted my brain now is I've watched all of HBO's Perry Mason and have made it my personality now. And <laughs> Della Street is the new lesbian love of my life here. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's lesbians, there's Chris Chalk, John Lithgow's there for a minute, courtroom drama. Yeah. What, what, what's not to like? Anyway. <laughs> that one line where he's like, something, I've something, like, I've been something twice and queer oh, once, I'm and a, I was like, uh. I'm a, I'm a quarter Welsh and queer only once. I was like, what did he say? <laughs> what did he say? I guess he, yeah, he like got kicked out of the army in the war for like gay shit and then they just never address it again and i'm like can we circle back to what he just said <laughs> della get him to say something <laughs> yeah uh, sir 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 <laughs> hello hello yeah love it anyways that's all i've been up to but i'm glad we got to do this um that's all yeah <laughs> you can pick something next time since i made you do this <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm glad I finally watched it. Mm-hmm. So I can cross that off my list of movies I've always wanted to watch. It just mm-hmm. takes forever for me to get through them. Yeah, sorry. So shout out to Phantom on Broadway. You will be missed greatly. And mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see you in the tours, my dear. So. Right. Well, you can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter. You can find me at LM Designs on Twitter, and we have a Twitter for the podcast Horror Time Pod. Uh, sorry we haven't updated in a while. Uh, life is crazy. I'm trying to find a place to live uh, so I can move out and finally have a cat. Um, and I work full time, so I'm just, like, tired every day. Um, <laughs> but um, we should be back next month, uh, and hopefully we should all be a little more stable and calm and we will see you guys then so thanks for listening to us talk about a phantom of the opera (laughs) movie it was a lot of fun so until then we'll see you later Bye. bye